1: investigators and welcome to board with video games the gaming podcast that strives the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television you can think of us as the stocking cap and mittens of gaming podcasts for a proud member of the psvg podcast network i am one of your hosts kyle and joining me on this co-op adventure the guy who keeps your ears warm and your look fresh Josh, how are you doing this evening?
0: Confused, but I get it for the most part, I think. Uh, I guess I keep your ears warm with my hands.
1: No, you're the stocking cap.
0: (laughs) Okay, but you think that if you're wearing a stocking cap, you look fresh?
1: I mean, some stocking caps look fresh. I'm saying that you would be a stylish stocking cap is what I'm saying.
0: I'm going to guess this is a a local vernacular because... stocking cap would just be a hat really is that what it, a hat
1: no a stocking cap is like a a warm winter hat
0: yeah we don't we don't have those
1: well i was trying to differentiate <laughs> between like a baseball cap and like all the different types of headwear so i went with stock with stocking cap as a result
0: okay i mean we just go with like winter hat or snow hat or snow, snow hat. cap snow hat <laughs> I (laughs) think when it's snowing. (laughs) I think. I mean, maybe. Uh, I'm all. I think when I think of stocking cap, I think of uh, Ebenezer Scrooge getting. uh, uh, No, Jacob Marley visiting Ebenezer Scrooge. With his
1: nightcap.
0: Yeah, I think of that as a stocking cap. Because it looks like a stocking. Hang off your head. We're going to get. This is going to be nice. We're going to have these random. Moments in our podcast where I just drop out for three and a half seconds. <laughs> so it's going to be great. It's going to so be a great I episode. My internet provider. I
1: know. This is going to be a great episode. We can tell already. <laughs> um, okay, really quick before we jump into the show. So, are you a mitten person or a glove person?
0: I am a, well, because of my job, I have to be a glove person. Um, I love them. I love a mitten. I just, it's not practical for me to um, uh, wear.
1: I understand that. I also enjoy mittens, but I don't know if you even know if I own a pair.
0: I don't know that I do either, at least not anymore. I probably threw a pair out, I got for Christmas one year or something like that.
1: So do you have, again, I I love learning these local vernacular (laughs) things. So do you have a, is it common for people to wear like a leather mitten over gloves? Uh, No. Okay, that's Uh, not a thing. No. (laughs) Okay. That was that. that's kind of a thing up, well, not necessarily in Iowa, but when I lived further north, uh, that was a thing where you'd have like, you'd wear gloves and then you wear a, a, a leather mitten over it and we called those choppers.
0: A glove on a glove? Unless it was like, maybe if it was like nylon gloves, like the really thin ones, I guess I could see that like for leather gloves.
1: Gotcha. This oh, was mostly because it was super, super cold out. Okay. <laughs> like when you're living in like Fargo, like it's cold out. So. Yeah, it
0: doesn't get colder where you are, so. That's, so. That might be something we just haven't experienced.
1: Absolutely. Well, hey, you know what? This is not a winter fashion podcast. This is a gaming podcast. So thank you so much for joining us this week. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter or check out all the awesome stuff Josh posts over on the Instagram, also at BoardWithVG. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash BoardWithVG. And if you want to communicate in the long form, feel free to send us an email, board with VG at @gmail.com. And as the trend continues, use that hashtag board with VG on all the social media so we can follow all the cool things that you're doing whether it is gaming related or not. And of course, whatever podcast service you are listening to us on, we encu- encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That's whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed or the standalone board with video games feed. And finally, PSVG has launched a Patreon, and we're thrilled with the support you have given us thus far. You can find us over at patreon.com slash PSVG. And as a couple of announcements related to the Patreon, we want to give a big shout out to our show producers who have been gracious with their contributions this month. So big thanks to Coach Hulk, Edwin Kahlo, Devin Tias, Kevin Austin, Chris M., Joel Voss, Professor Switch himself, and Bonesaw. If you can figure out who Bonesaw is, you are an awesome, excellent, super special listener. And finally, one last other Patreon update. As part of the Patreon, it was decided, or one of our funding goals, is that if we reached a certain amount, we would do community gaming nights. And we have reached out to all of you and asked for feedback about what you were thinking about or what kind of gaming nights you would like. And we've received some feedback for that, but we'd love to get more. So if you have ideas about... What you'd like to see us do for community gaming nights, probably more board gaming focused or RPG focused, just because most of the other uh, PSVG podcasts are going to take care of a Nintendo night, an Xbox night, and a PlayStation night. Please let us know. But we didn't want to leave you hanging this month. We wanted to make sure that we were doing something for you. So on Friday, December 21st, from 8 p.m. to 12 a.m. Central Time, There will be a board of the video games community gaming night on PS4, and we are going to be playing my favorite game. Well, maybe not favorite game of all time, but game I play all the time. We're going to play some Overwatch to celebrate their holiday event. So, again, that's Friday, December 21st from 8 p.m. to 12 a.m. Central Time. We'll be playing some Overwatch over on PS4. I will be there at the start. Josh will be joining us maybe an hour or so into the into the event Um, But if you're interested in playing, let us know. We'll continue to give you updates both on here and on Twitter and in a whole bunch of ways. Uh, But just make sure you are friends with me on PlayStation Network at Psychocross C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. And you are welcome to join and play some Overwatch with us. And it'll just be for fun. It won't be competitive. We will just be playing some quick play or maybe even some arcade modes to just have fun together. But, hey, Josh, that was a ton of housekeeping. Hmm. Let's get to the game, sir. What have you been playing on your tabletop?
0: Man, oh man, what haven't I been playing? I mean, I still have half a list of packs that I could talk about. I could talk about, we still didn't talk about my interviews with Yellow or Renegade. could talk about what we played this weekend at Friendsgiving. So I don't know. What what do I start with? Let's start with um, 5-Minute Marvel. Um, If you look at our Instagram, you'll see uh, 5-Minute Marvel is a uh, IP covered five minute dungeon, uh, which is a game I have gifted but have not played. Um, I've, heard, I've heard great things, and while I was at PAX, I ordered this on Amazon. Not even I didn't even buy it at PAX. I ordered it on Amazon because it was like twelve bucks, like on their Deals Day, and I couldn't turn that down. I actually, arrived um, the day we got back from PAX, so. Um, Yeah, uh, it's super cool. I love the theme. I mean, the theme is Marvel. The artwork is incredible. It's very cartoony, obviously Um, comic-styled. What you do in the game is you pick a character. You have a a list of – not a list. You have a row of characters you can pick of Marvel superheroes. And each hero has a special ability. You pick a character. You – Set them up, you have a draw deck, and then you have a character-specific draw deck next to you. And everyone sets up their heroes. You download the app, which is a Jarvis timer, which is very cool. And as you play, you have bosses. Each boss, you have five minutes to defeat. And as soon as you flip the first card, you start the timer. The countdown goes. Um, I I picked Spider-Gwen as my character. One of her special abilities, it lets you pause time which is very nice. You can't play any cards. Um but you get to like communicate with your team because what's happening is this countdown timer is constantly happening. Um and if you've ever played Pandemic there's cards that I would compare to you, Epidemic cards called danger cards and they're unlike the regular cards you flip in the in the dungeon to get to the boss where they cause you to maybe discard your whole hand or do something um abnormal and that's really good to use the pause time thing Uh, so you can kind of take a minute and breathe in Um, the way it works is so uh, i want to say the first villain was green goblin so green goblin has his own set of um stats that you need to defeat and what that what they are, are logos so a shield logo is something a lightning bolt a fist a tech symbol like a microchip Um, and a run slash jump symbol. And you need to match these symbols from your hand to um, you play them out on the table to defeat whoever you're up against. So the cards you're drawing to get to the boss are like minion cards or henchman cards um, or even like mini boss cards. And they have certain text on them and certain abilities. So you have to meet those the power and everyone plays cards. You start your hand with three cards in it from your regular draw pile and then after you play a card you always need to have three cards in your hand so you can then either draw from your special abilities hero pile or from your regular draw pile if you ever run out of cards you're out if everyone does you lose Mm -hmm. um it's fast you can play as many cards as you want on your turn some of the cards have like two logos on it so you don't necessarily want to spend one like a card and just to get you know, one symbol and you're losing another symbol. If you play a card at the same time someone else does uh, and you only needed one, you basically both have discarded those cards. You can't pick it back up. So it's all about, like, quick, concise communication um, and then using your hero abilities. And I would say communicating to each other what your hero abilities are so that you're, like, effectively using them. Um, But it was super fun. We actually played through... All eight bosses. So because uh, we had a blast and I would play it again in a heartbeat. Uh it is way, it's it's regularly a $20 game. It is well worth that price. Uh easy, easy recommendation. Very fun. Um, and then the second game we played was Tokyo Highway, which uh I just saw is now at my local Barnes and Noble. Um I I got it at PAX. Uh, And also just did pop up on Dice Tower Review today. So Tom Vassell did a review it. Uh, Tokyo Highway is... I mean, I got this game because I knew it was this crazy dexterity game. And it is a crazy dexterity game. Um, I also had three cups of coffee that also probably collectively had four espresso shots in them before we played this game. I don't recommend that because you need... A steady hand. And
1: what if your hands aren't steady unless you have that?
0: and Then go have all the coffee that gets your hands steady. <laughs> I'm the opposite. I was shaking like crazy. Um, it is a highway built in game where uh, you use essentially, well, they are popsicle sticks. Look at the pictures on them if the cat's breaking in. <laughs> <laughs> look at the pictures on our our post um it is incredible to look at i feel like my cat's about to jump on top of my gaming shelf and that could be a problem um
1: <laughs> so okay I, pro- I apologize i have to interrupt so obviously we don't usually record we don't usually post video of this but josh josh's cat just jumped on the back of his chair Josh, is she kind of have a neck brace
0: on? No, it's the, it keeps her feeding tube in her. Neck. Oh
1: my gosh, I remember the, I know the feeding tube thing, but it literally looks like she's wearing a neck brace.
0: She has to wear it's a it's a something a vet tech student made because we had a point where she, her her wound is trying to heal itself, so it's itchy. Yeah. <laughs> And we had a night where she scratched her tube out of her neck. Yep, I remember you sharing that
1: part on the, that on the podcast. Probably
0: would have killed her if we didn't catch it. So now she has to wear this, we'll call it a neck blanket. Oh! To protect. Neck blanket. Protect I
1: her. like that. Blanket. Um, okay, sorry. Sorry, back to scratching. back to Tokyo <laughs> Highway.
0: So <laughs> Tokyo <laughs> Highway, uh, look at our Instagram. It's very beautiful to look at. The way the game starts is the first player takes these um, obelisk-like abstract pieces, and they, ha- they have to place them... Uh, on the board, and your goal is to get around them. They are obstacles to get around. Um, And then you take your roads, and you have to start one road, which is a popsicle stick, away, like one road distance from the other players. The goal of the game is to get your cars placed on your road, and the way to place them is by... (laughs) by um i'm getting distracted as my wife is now looking at my cat um <laughs> is to place your road over someone's existing road either above or below or both and if you place above and below you get two cars and you have to place it on the last road that you placed you can just place it on any existing road you can come take him <laughs> uh her um the trick is you have these pillars they're like they're like round cylindrical things you have to place either one higher or one lower than the previous placed column unless you use a special ability which lets you place it as high as you want or as low as you want which is a yellow column Um, when you do this you now need to place your road without knocking anyone else's pieces off if you do knock someone's piece off, you have to give them one of your resources to build. But then they also have to put their piece back up on their own, which might also cause them to knock someone else's piece over. So it becomes this like crazy balancing uh, strategy. Like um, Someone's like, one of the strategies is you could just go away from everybody else. Well, sure, you could, but you don't get any points if you're not putting your roads over anyone else's cars anyone else's roads. so you could do that but it's irrelevant. so it forces you into this really tight claustrophobic highway building which is like supposed to like symbolize what Tokyo's highways are like it is brilliant. Um, I I lost because I tried using my yellow column and doing too many higher to get I would have gotten four points and putting four cars down. But it was at such a slant that every time I put a car on it, it slid down, and then knocked people's things over. So I kept doing it until I ran out of material to give away. So I just forfeited. Um, and the first person to do it, uh, to, to succeed in getting all their cars done, is the winner. Um, but the rules say that play does continue for second and third place. It's not like a lot of board games where when someone's finished, a round goes through. It's just like, once you're in, you're the winner. That's it. You won. Um, so that was Tokyo Highway. And I did play Ma- uh, Mountains of Madness. I'll talk about that next week. I know Shplake was, like, looking forward to hearing about it. But I just wanted to hit a couple games real quick that we didn't cover last week. I don't remember where we left off. Oh, I put it on my phone. Um so, really
1: quick while you look that up, yeah, I think yeah. it's really interesting that. So, Tokyo Highway is a game that I've been really interested in for a long time. Hadn't come out in the United States. You know, it's been out internationally for a, out quite a while at this point. But I find it, I always find it interesting when a game like this, because I just look to totally available at my local Barnes and Noble for pickup. Like, I could walk in and buy it today. Yeah. Can't get it on cool stuff. Can't get it online. Like, can't, I always find that really fascinating when games like this that seem so geared towards the hobby market are like yeah go to Barnes and noble and get it but you can't get it at any of the typical hobby places currently
0: yeah i mean it's in, it is funny because like two months ago you could only get it at cool stuff in mm-hmm. the manager market and now it's switched so like right yeah so it is interesting I, I think that is funny uh uh where did i end off last week We talked about Reef. we talked about stuff of legend Um, So, there's Did I talk about Cosmic Run? Do you remember?
1: I think you ended on Stuff of Legend, but I could be wrong. I believe that's right.
0: So Cosmic Run is a game by um, uh, Dr. Finn Games and it is a game of like interplanetary, it's a race in space. (laughs) Uh, Pardon the rhyme. And uh, I think we got the Kickstarter edition, so it's an extra player, so I believe that makes it five, but as a game, it's a four player game and you have different colored ships you're racing to these planets in the solar system but meanwhile while you're racing there's astro and i froze when i said that am i am i back now i'm so frustrated oh, what you're awesome.
1: back now it's okay just uh, remember when i edit i take out all of those long silences so it's totally okay, fine
0: So i'm just talking about nothing that they can hear <laughs> Yes, you are. <laughs> so there's asteroids colliding with these planets. You get special victory points for getting to, uh, getting on the track to these planets, and you get like ultimate victory points by making it to the planet. But if a planet gets hit three times by asteroids, it explodes. You can no longer go to that planet. Um, which, like, you have to choose from four, I think, five different planets. So you have to choose like what is the best planet for you to try to get to, and this is all done by rolling dice and some planets like the first planet is ones so if you roll a one you can put it on that planet and then the amount of ones you get for the first planet that's how many you move up the track the second planet is doubles the third planet is triples and so on um there's also special cards like alien race cards you can recruit by paying like like one card might be you just put a three on there You put a three on it and then you get that card at the end of your turn and it will give you abilities as well and there's also a yellow die which is only used for this yellow track it's the longest track in the game goes the bottom of the board and that die will let you add two dice to it to move that much up the track but you have to use the yellow die in conjunction with two numbers to move up that track um very fun game uh we really liked it a lot so we ended up picking that one up um i i won't talk about we played Trainmaker and greedy kingdoms um but those are both games that you got from pax so yes i did once you play them i think i would like to talk to you about those so maybe we can uh play that on talk about those on another episode greedy kingdoms as a two player um kingdom building battle game um and train maker we played with like six people It it's from like one to six players. It's a really cool dice rolling game. Um, pretty easy to play. It's it's good for parties. I would recommend it. Um, and I want to talk about rare words. I don't know if I talked about this. No. Um, but we reluctantly, and my wife reluctantly joined Bezier Games for rare words. We were just kind of standing outside of another booth, and a woman looked at us and said, "Do you guys want to play? No, come over here, play. That's that's not kind of how Pax works. They just like come over here and play." So we got ripped into happy salmon last year and um so we walked over and they have an app out on the phone and if anyone's ever so they asked the first question they asked have you ever played werewolf we both said no uh which is surprising for me but i'm familiar with the concept i played avalon resistance um masquerade things like this so that's it's a hidden social deduction game so werewords is werewolf with a word now they have this app where Eric Summerer from Dice Tower does this goofy voice. He tries to like disguise his own voice. And uh it's a step up from regular werewolf or games like Resistance or Avalon because someone is designated a narrator and they have to remember a lot of things to say. But the app does this all for you. So what happens is, depending on the number of players, someone or some people are designated werewolves. And In werewords, there's also someone designated a seer. And if there's multiple werewolves, someone is designated an observer, which I happen to be designated. Um, And the way this works is the game will tell everyone to shut their eyes. Then the game will tell the seer to open their eyes. And on the tablet will be a word. So then I'll tell them to close their eyes. It will tell the werewolf or werewolves to open their eyes, and they also get to see the word. And then they close their eyes, and then it tells the observer to open their eyes. Uh, They don't show you the word, but they tell you, seer, give a thumbs up. So now the observer can see who the seer is, but they don't know who the werewolves are, and they don't know what the word is. And the goal of the game is, the seer is trying to get everyone on the right path to guessing the word, and the werewolves are trying to get people to guess their word incorrectly or steer them off the path. And then it, the game is run in a <coughs> 20 questions style um, a game where the town mayor, which is the person who's start who who knows what the word is, has a, a yes token, a no token or a maybe token. And they can't ant- they can't speak. They can only use these tokens. The game we played, the mayor also happened to be a werewolf so the mayor like you have to answer honestly but if you're unsure or w- w- like wishy-washy on an answer you're very well possibly gonna say maybe or no to something you might not know for sure like if you ask me if, if this thing is green and sometimes it's green uh, and sometimes it isn't i can just be like maybe or no like the one i was thinking of wasn't green and you have a certain amount of time to get to the word. So my goal, I'm just trying to focus on the seer, who's trying to steer us in the right direction, but not give, make it so obvious. Because at the end of the game, the werewolves can try to eat the person who they think is the seer if they, if they think it was obvious. And people can also try to point out the werewolf if the werewolves win. And if you successfully point at a werewolf, you the villagers win because you hunt down and kill the werewolf so i'm watching the seer and this guy he is not giving clues very well everyone assumed i was a werewolf and i'm like i was the observer and he's like if you were the observer you knew i was the seer why wouldn't you have guessed i was like because i didn't know you were the seer because you were giving terrible clues (laughs) like I, I didn't know what you were trying to get us to guess so it, it was it was a fun game um it's not ex- too expensive and i and you can play with so many people it's from like two to like 50 people it's ridiculous so this would be a, a fantastic like holiday game if people are getting together for like um hanukkah or christmas or kwanzaa or celebrating this. this would be a perfect game to play so uh, I'll talk about Mountains of Madness um, next week. Uh give you guys a little bit more in depth uh, about the game and what I really truly thought, um, in that, or whether that agrees with my co-players or not, because it might not.
1: <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, for me, there's just one game I'm going to talk about, and actually it's a pretty good transition from the game you were talking about to the game I am going to talk about. Because what I'm going to talk about is Deception Murder in Hong Kong. Now, Josh just talked about Werewords, which is a great game to play as a, you know, kind of party game or with a group. Deception Murder in Hong Kong, similar concept. It plays for four to 12 players. It is uh, designed by Toby Ho and published by Gray Fox Games, I believe is the publisher of this game. And it is best described as a bluffing deduction party game so basically the point of the game is a murder has happened and all the players in the game are attempting to figure out who the murderer is now the game consists of a group of folks who are investigators so theoretically everyone in the game is an investigator however one person plays as the, uh, oh gosh, basically the game master, for lack of a better word. Forensic scientist, I think, is their their technical term, but they're kind of the game master. They're the person who is going to try to give clues to what is going on in the situation. Most of the other players are going to be investigators. But then, obviously, you have one person who is a murderer. Depending on the number of people you have playing, you might have an accomplice to that murderer, and also you might have a witness. So what the point of the game is, is that everyone gets dealt eight cards in front of them. Four of the cards are pieces of evidence, and four of the cards are potential murder weapons. So similar to Werewolf, the forensic scientist, all of the roles are randomly assigned. So you take however many people there are, add a forensic scientist, a murderer, um, and then potentially a witness and accomplice. So if you're playing with a bigger group, you'll want to add those as well. You deal out the roles randomly, and then whoever the forensic scientist is basically becomes the game master. They would ask everyone else to close their eyes, At that point, they would then ask the murderer and accomplice, if they exist, to open their eyes. When the murderer opens their eyes, they then pick from the cards sitting in front of them one critical piece of evidence and one murder weapon. They then close their eyes. If a witness exists, you have the witness open their eyes. You then, as a forensic scientist, point and tell them who the murderer is and who the accomplice is, if there is one. The witness closes their eyes, and then everyone else, then you have everyone in the game open their eyes at that point, the forensic scientist has a responsibility that they have these large, thick, chunky cardboard tiles. And they basically say, what was the cause of death? So let's say, for the sake of simplicity, that the murderer chose as... And the thing that's interesting about this is the causes of the critical pieces of evidence and the murder weapons get really interesting in this game. (laughs) So, because there's like... I think close to a hundred pieces of critical evidence and probably forty-five or fifty murder weapons. Um, oh. So, like a locked room is like a murder weapon. <laughs> you know, starvation is a murder weapon. Uh, but let's say, for the sake of clarity here, let's say that the piece of evidence they pick is a mosquito coil, like you know those things that you um, light to like keep mosquitoes away. Yeah. And that the murder weapon that they selected from in front of them was a belt. Okay. So you know these things. As the forensic scientist, then you would say, okay, so what was the cause of death? Well, one of the things is suffocation. So you basically have this card and it says, okay, you can pick the cause of death was suffocation, severe injury, loss of blood, illness, poisoning, or an accident. You then have this little marker that you'd put on suffocation. You then randomly pick one of four cards that would have like the location of the crime. And then you have to try to figure out, okay, what would be the best location knowing that the murder weapon is the belt and that the mosquito coil is the critical piece of evidence of the locations listed, what would be the best? So let's say one of the cards has playground, classroom, dormitory, cafeteria, elevator, and toilet. Playground, maybe you lit a mosquito coil at the playground to try to keep the bugs away. Okay? So you put the piece of evidence there. Then from that, you lay out four other random cards. And these random cards are... Could talk about the murderer's personality, traces left at the scene, the state of the scene, any le- evidence left behind, but they're totally random. And you then have to try to continue to paint a picture of like, okay, knowing what I know, what is going to lead the investigators to being able to identify who the murderer is and the key piece of evidence and the murder weapon. So let's just say, you know, that the one of the cards that you have was the was weather. And the options are sunny, stormy, dry, humid, cold, and hot. Well, if I have mosquitoes, maybe it was really humid, so I mark the humid one as the piece of evidence. And you're just trying to do this for all the different things that come up of trying to help lead the investigators to who the murderer is, because you know, as a forensic scientist, who it is. But you can't talk. You can't tell anyone what uh, what is going on. At that point, you let everybody kind of look at all the evidence, look at the information you've they, you have given them as a forensic investigator. And then you go around the table and each person gets 30 seconds to basically start formulating and talking about what they are thinking happened. So based off the information they know and looking at all of the cards in front of all of the people, they start forming a story. So maybe they're like, oh, I see that you know, it was a humid day and that the person was suffocated. I see that Josh has a mosquito coil and a belt in front of him. So maybe he's the murderer because he strangled someone with the belt and the mosquito coils because they're at a picnic in the park and things got out of hand. So basically, you just go around the table and every person starts to kind of create this story about who, what they thought was happening or kind of what their thought process is. If you're the murderer, Obviously, you want to get people to think something different, that it's not you if they start honing in on you. As the witness, if you know who the murderer is, you want to try to help people focus in on the murderer, but you can't let the murderer know you're the witness because the murderer knows there's a witness, but they can't let anybody know that, like, oh, I know who the witness is. So you go around. This goes over three rounds. As the forensic scientist, you switch out one of the evidence cards each time to try to give them more information. And then once per game, every person can make one accusation. So someone could say, OK, I'm turning in my badge, which is kind of extreme that you have to turn in your badge because if you get it wrong, <laughs> apparently you're not a cop anymore. Uh, but you turn in your badge and you say, OK, I think that Josh is the murderer and he used the rope and the significant piece of evidence was the umbrella and then as a forensic investigator or forensic scientist you either say yes or no are they completely right and if they're not completely right they're wrong that's it oh. so you just say yes or no and if there's a no they still get to participate in the game they still get to do their 30 second little yarn about like what they think happened but they don't get to accuse or anyone anymore so again the way the murderer wins is if at the end of all three rounds nobody has successfully accused them if that has happened the murderer wins the way that the investigators win is by successfully identifying the murderer based off of getting both the evidence right and the murder weapon right. So somebody has to say it was Josh with the belt and the mosquito and the key piece of evidence was the mosquito coil. And if that happens, the investigators win. Other than if that happens and there is a witness in the game If the murderer can correctly identify the witness, they kill the witness and the murderer still
0: wins. (laughs) That's awesome.
1: So it's a really, really quick game. Like once the first time you play it, it's kind of a little bit like trying to figure out, okay, who goes what? Like I literally just start talking for 30 seconds about what I think happened because I really don't know that much. Like I have like, these six pieces of random words in front of me and then all these pieces of evidence and murder weapons sitting across the table around the table so the first time you play with people it can be a little weird it's really important or really helpful if you have someone who's played before that they're the forensic scientist the first time to kind of help people get in the idea of what's happening Hmm. but once you start going like we were playing with we played this weekend we had some friends over for a little gathering we had nine people playing this game and by a you know, after the first time we played it, we were able to get through the game in 25 minutes. So it's a really fun game. It is a really interesting game. Having people who are fun and creative and are picking things that don't normally go together for their weapon and their piece of evidence is important to really make the game, you know, not be super, super predictable. Like the first time some we had somebody in the game, they right away like picked um, soap and starvation. Like they picked starvation as their means of murder. And then soap is the critical evidence. Well, one of the pieces, like one of the things that um, like one of the locations is like bathroom. So I was like in the bathroom, <laughs> and that the person had like been there for a long time because it was like, Oh, how long was the body been there? And I was like, days, like, so it's really easy to kind of put that stuff together. But when you get people thinking creatively, depending on what the tiles come up, um, it's a really fun game, it's really engaging. Uh, is really i think if you play with enough people to have witnesses and accomplices it's more fun than just having just investig- investigators and a murderer but it's it's kind of grim like i said some of the uh, murder weapons are really dark like <laughs> it is definitely a a grim game but if you are just looking for a fun game a fun party game to spend with friends to you know really create some really kind of sometimes bleak but potentially interesting stories about how things go uh deception murder in hong kong is is really a good time like i said it plays four to twelve players it's pretty inexpensive it's super easy to teach and it goes really fast so if you even have a really big group it's really easy to cycle people in and out if you want to so i definitely wholeheartedly recommend deception murder in hong kong so hey that's been a lot of board games we've been talking about yeah. Josh, what have you been playing on your television, sir?
0: Well, this thing that we have—it's called Xbox Game Pass. Never heard of it. Yeah, uh, it seems to be the talk of the town because everyone says Microsoft doesn't have games, but they do have Game Pass, which has games. So, ironically, they do have games. Um, they dropped two games that I've been very excited to try, and tech- and and actually, they just dropped. Um, um, the day after the Mortal Kombat 11 announcement, they dropped uh, Mortal Kombat 10, which I had traded in. I I did own a while ago, so I had a I have a bunch of the DLC still. So I re re-down, re-downloaded that to give it another whirl because I'm really a big fan of that that game. Um, but uh, Mutant Year Zero was a game I've been looking forward to for a long time. Um, I saw some videos on gameplay for the PC. It is a XCOM style, like, um, tactical movement. Um, What's the word that I'm trying to say? Um, (laughs) I can't think of the type of game it is.
1: It's like XCOM. It's a turn-based strategy game.
0: Yes, turn-based strategy. Thank you. Um, You play in the future, uh, well into the future, after, like, nuclear war, and humans and animals have like mutated together. So like your two main characters are a humanoid boar and a humanoid duck or a foul mouth. And I would say pretty funny. The narrative is very good. I really like it. Um, and <clears throat> it's just phenomenal. It looks great. The combat is very um, good and it's challenging. Like there's been definitely a few times where I've died a couple times on the same area or i made noise where I shouldn't have, or I've walked into a different area that I'm not supposed to be in yet, and the game will tell you, like, I shouldn't be here. Like, they tell each other, we should probably go do that thing we're supposed to be doing right now. So, like, okay, I get it. <laughs> but it's very fun. I, I If you have Game Pass, I say, I mean, check it out at least. Um, I don't feel like it suffers from the... Um, Missing mouse and keyboard aspects, Like, it definitely works fine with the controller, which is good. Um, uh, and then Strange Brigade is another game they added that I wanted to buy at 60 bucks, but it, it seemed like a game that came out around a time where we're playing plenty of games. We, we already still are playing plenty of games, but since it was uh, available to try, I downloaded it, I played the first... Full, I'll call it map slash mission, the first event. Um, It's definitely meant to be played multiple players, but I like that they give you the option to play solo and they kind of just uh, scale down probably how many bad guys are coming at you. But the first uh, map in this game is a like Egyptian themed level with a mummy and mummies. And essentially it's like take Call of Duty zombies, make it third person. Um, even like Left 4 Dead style, I guess, would probably, probably be a better example in third person. And yeah, you're just kind of like exploring this map. There's some puzzle aspects to it. Um, it has like the uncharted look to it. The, it's very pretty. Um, the map itself is very nice to look at. Um, great backgrounds. Well, maybe the characters themselves aren't as fully fleshed out as the environments. Um, but there's great narration, which I'm a fan of. Um, the voice work is good for the main characters and the narrator. You can choose from multiple characters who specialize in different weapons, and they even have special abilities. Um, but one of the cool things in the in the map is there's also environments where you can shoot like an object and a spinning blade. Death trap will come up, or you shoot a wall and swinging blades will come out. Um, so it's it doesn't just feel like a, like a zombie shooter because you're actively um, doing things on them. You're solving puzzles, you're um, finding hidden things. Uh, so it adds this extra to it, which I really like, which I really enjoyed. Um, so I'm really looking forward to um, getting some time with Kyle and maybe even Donnie because I think he was interested in trying it um, and playing that multiplayer. Uh, because I had a really good time even playing solo. Uh, and I'll definitely play solo some more as well, just to to play the game. Uh, and last but uh, not least, the game everyone <clears throat> in the world has been playing, Smash Brothers. Um, yeah, I mean, it's Smash Brothers. I don't need to tell you much about it. Uh, it's Smash Brothers. You do the things you do in every Smash Brothers um, just with more Smash Brothers, but not when you start playing Smash Brothers. You have less Smash Brothers and the last Smash Brothers you played. Um, I don't want to make Donnie mad at me, so I don't want to go too far into detail on Smash Brothers, um, even though they already did, I think, a shack on it. Um, the common complaint you'll hear online and in our Discord, I think, not from everybody, is that it takes a long time to unlock characters. Uh, you only start with eight characters. There are, I think, 77 characters in the game um i get that complaint i do um, because if you don't do the cheat way to do it it's going to take a long time to unlock those characters um and you can look up the cheat way to do it online it's pretty easy uh there's also the world of light mode which is like their grand map like thing which has the spirits uh, which i enjoy um that's fun to do but you you're not actively unlocking characters like you would be if you're playing um, just Smash Modes. So like my constant struggle playing it in the world of Light Mode is do I keep playing this and just kind of unlock a couple characters uh, in one play session or do I sit down and try to unlock five characters at a time? And I'm not good enough that I'm unlocking them every time. If you lose the fight when a new fighter approaches you don't unlock them. You have to wait until the mysterious door reopens where you can rebattle them. And if you lose again, you have to wait again. So it can be a little frustrating. I'm not as down on it as the rest of the world is. Um, I'm still having fun. It's Smash Brothers, like I said. You do some smashing of some brothers and some other brothers from other mothers. But really, that's what you're doing. It's, all, it's more of the same.
1: How many characters do you have unlocked?
0: Oof. <laughs> I was going to bring my Switch in here with me, uh, but I didn't. Um, I would say uh, uh, less than 10.
1: So you've unlocked less than 10, it so you don't have 10 total. No, I have so unlocked.
0: unlocked less okay. than
1: 10, sorry. And how long have you played for?
0: Oh, not as long as I wanted to. Um, I probably played a solid few hours, um, maybe four hours. But I've done a lot of the World of Light. Not a lot as compared to other people but um, I've done a significant amount of World of Light because I enjoy it. And I played some online uh, against Jason who cleaned the floor with me and Kevin who cleaned the floor with me. Uh, I unlocked Ryu today. I was excited about that. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's fine. Um, I, I anticipate liking it more once I have a larger variety of characters and I get some local play or I play some more with, with our psvg crew um but right now like i'm not motivated to play it uh any uh more than just to unlock characters like i'd rather play something else gotcha to have fun
1: gotcha yeah i haven't even picked it up yet i i plan to i just haven't gotten around to it yet so i'm just wondering how many hours i i have to put in to unlock everyone so and whether or not i want to put those hours in so which again <clears throat> yeah. not not I don't think that's bad. It's just that there's so much to play right now.
0: It's not bad. It's just, it it really is. If you want to do it the way that like the game wanted you to do it, it's going to take a lot of time to unlock all those characters. But like to the point where I, as soon as a new challenger approaches and I beat them, I immediately quit the game if I want to do this. And if I'm doing like world of light, I don't get to see the um, pieces like you unlock this. Um, mosaic and and as you unlock the mosaic you can unlock things like from the pictures Mm kind of like if you've played like when you do the 3ds thing on the street pass thing um that's when you people know what i mean um if i you know and then i quit out and then i go to Smash, and then i set it for a one minute timer with like one life and then i get lucky enough to win that fight against ai and then a new challenger approaches and then i fight them and then i immediately quit and then I jump back in, like that takes away all the fun of Smash Brothers for me, um, but I get like if that's if you need to have all these characters unlocked, that is the most efficient way to do it. It's just like I don't know, my mind is all confused about my feelings about it, like I'm not mad that people want to do it that way, but I'm also like, well, I bought Smash Brothers and uh the, is it supposed to take me 77 hours to unlock all seventy-seven characters? Like so I, I mean I'm off two minds of the game.
1: Yeah. And like I said, I, I think that they're they're welcome to have people play it the way they want. For me, it's just a question of I'm like, am I gonna play it enough where I'm going to be able to unlock all of those characters? That's more right. of my thing, you know, how with how much I have to play and how much I wanna play, am I gonna be putting enough time in? Because I think it would be a bummer, like I think it'd be really nice if I got it to come home and be like, "Hey, wife, we're gonna like she loves Smash Brothers. Let's sit down and play this. She absolutely owned me in the Wii version all the time. Uh, <laughs> but let's sit down and play this. And we can't just like pick whoever we want just to play for fun against each other. And that to yeah. me is like the my drawback as to why I haven't jumped in right now is that I have to put in X number of hours to hopefully get the characters that she wants, you know, and yeah. that I, you know, and in my very limited experience that I want. And like I said, not bad. I'm not. I obviously haven't played it, so I'm not criticizing. That's just my hesitation in purchasing the game and why I haven't done it yet. So,
0: um, yeah, we're like walking on eggshells. Let's just move on to a different topic. <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> I'm done with my game. So, uh, what have you been playing?
1: Uh, yeah, so I have been playing. Uh, Well, I'll talk about Strange Brigade again, real briefly, because obviously, like you, I was interested in this game when it released back in August, I think is when it originally released from the folks at Rebellion, you know, who are famous for their Sniper Elite games. And this was something that I I enjoyed the Sniper Elite games. I think they're fun. I I have a good time playing them. So I was kind of interested in this, too. It looked quirky. It looked like something that'd be nice to sit down and play with some friends. Just never got around to it. You know, when it released, uh, Spider-Man was right around the corner. I was trying to finish up some other things. So I just never got to it. Uh So when it came to Game Pass in December, I was like, oh, this is really exciting. And I have gotten to the same place you have. I've gotten to, I, I beat the mummy at the end of, oh, spoilers, the mummy at the end of the first map, I guess. <laughs> uh And, you know, it's a fun little game. It definitely, I think that the the pulpy like narrator that is going on and kind of like the, the general aesthetic of the game, I think is interesting. I think the controls are uh, a little, I don't want to say finicky.
0: Finicky is a good word. I agree.
1: Maybe finicky is the right word. Yeah. The controls are a little finicky, especially when it comes to like, you have like a melee ability and like, you'll walk up to a barrel and you're like, oh, I want to break this thing because I can get money for breaking it. And like, I'll be standing right in front of it. And then like, I will like kick to the side of it. And I'm like, how, but it's, it's right there. Like it's right there. Uh, so mostly stuff like that that i've had issues with like i haven't had a huge issue or it hasn't really affected my ability to defeat enemies or anything like that like it it seems very overall pretty smooth when i'm shooting i think getting headshots and, and lining shots up i think is a little tough but that's also just because the sensitivity i feel like is very high even when you turn it down it feels very high but I'm having a good time with it. Like, I, yeah, like you said, I would love to sit down and play with you or play with other folks and see what that co-op experience is like, Uh, because, yes, the narrator is fun to listen to, and these environments look pretty cool, and running around and shooting zombies is always fun, but I, I would like to do that do a little more with it, do a little something additional with it. Um, So I I definitely will keep playing it, but I think I will definitely play it more than likely when it's like, hey, Josh, let's sit down. Do you have time? Let's play this game right now and play through a level or two and kind of do that thing. So enjoying it, especially if you have Game Pass, I think it's an easy recommend to check out. Um, I think you'll find out. I think you'll find out very early on whether it's a game you want to play or not.
0: Yes. You know,
1: yeah, I think you'll be able to tell right away. So, but yeah, having the four characters is cool. The fact that they have different abilities is cool. But I do like the fact that I'm pretty certain, like you can equip the weapons from like other people onto your character and things like that. So I think at least is what it seems like in it when I was playing around with it. So you don't aren't being it's not like if you pick character A, you can't have character C's weapon or something. Gotcha. Like that. Okay. So uh, so that's one thing I've been playing. And then another, you know, super quirky game that I've been playing because I am that person. Sometimes I have been playing <laughs> Persona 3 Dancing in Moonlight on PS4. Uh, I'm a big fan of, or is a big fan of Persona 4 Dancing all night um, when it came out on Vita and I actually platinum that game. So then when they announced the Persona 3 and Persona 5 versions of those games, I was like, I am in. So started up Persona 3 Dancing in Moonlight. So far, I enjoy it. My complaints about it are are odd. Um, I bought it on PS4 because there was a pricing error when this game was first released on Amazon that you could get Persona 3 the persona 3 and the persona 5 versions along with the persona 4 version which that bundle supposed to be a hundred bucks uh, but they had actually mispriced it initially at forty dollars because that's the price of buying just one of the games so I got all three of them for 40 bucks which is the only which is why I jumped in because I was like yes I'm just gonna do this uh, and I like it my I, my complaints though are number one this is going to sound like such a dumb complaint but it's it's hard for me with how the, the these games work you basically have a ring around the edge of the screen that when a circle gets to it you have to hit the corresponding button so like you have triangle circle cross or x on the left on the right hand side and then you have down left and up on the left hand side so you know your face buttons on the right, and then your directions on the left, and you have to hit the corresponding buttons when they get there. Yes, sometimes you have to hit things at the same time and all this other stuff. But I enjoy rhythm games. The problem is is since my TV, and it's not huge, but since my TV is big, it's really hard to like look at all of the stuff on the screen and be able to hit them in time because you are trying to follow along and things start in the middle and come out and or and work their way towards the outside of the edge. So it's very hard. Because I played the one, the Persona 4 one on Vita, which was all right in front of your face. It was very easy to keep track of everything. So I'm actually really struggling with the size of everything of being (laughs) able to play this game well. The other thing that I'm not super wild about is that the Persona, Persona 4 version of it, the first one they released, had an actual, like, story mode that you were going through and experiencing this story. And then you dance some, and then you go through and experience this story, and then you dance some. The Persona 3 and the Persona 5 versions, that is completely gone. There is no okay. quote-unquote campaign. Basically, what you do is like you play through the different songs and if you achieve certain things like certain scores or using certain modifiers or whatever, getting a certain number of perfects or whatever it is, it unlocks social connections, which makes sense from a Persona series. But then you can like go into a different menu and watch a cut scene and then that's it. And then you go back to doing more dancing. So it's like, It'd be cool if there was, but, and you might unlock those in completely different orders, depending on like which achievements you get as you're going. So it's not really a, I mean, there's a story there, but it's not like this campaign you're progressing through regularly and that you beat this one. Now there's a story beat and then you beat this one and there's a story beat. It's like, oh, I played this. I did this song and I did really, really well. and I got a ton of perfects. So I unlocked this random weird third interaction with this one character. While I w- Because of that. So that I'm not a huge fan of. I wish there was an actual campaign built in. Yeah. Uh, but the still the gameplay I'm really enjoying. Because I, I enjoy rhythm games. And I'm, I'm enjoying the gameplay of these still. Because I liked it on the Persona 4 version. Really liking it on these. I just wish I was a little better at it. I'm definitely not doing as well as I did on the Persona 4 one. And I'm blaming the size of my television. Which I know is a really dumb thing. <laughs> but that is what I am blaming. So those are the games that we have been playing. On to our topic of the show. As we reach the middle of December, it is time, I think, to look back a little bit on the year of 2018. And we still have a few games to finish playing, so we can't really do our favorites of the year yet. But we thought it could be good to say, hey, what about the year in gaming in general? What are some of the highs, some of the lows, and how will we remember the year? So with that, Josh, 2017, last year, Pretty good gate year for gaming for mm-hmm. you how does twenty eighteen stack up
0: I don't think i'm so i'm as down on twenty eighteen as a lot of people are for gaming. <clears throat> I don't know what the norm is now for gaming, so i'm not really I'm not comparing it to last year necessarily or like or a standard i think I think twenty eighteen was a great year for gaming, especially board gaming um and even like the dice tower they're pretty like meh on 2018 for board games um i'm a simple man who just likes to enjoy the content i consume so for me i was introduced to the far cry series this year i had never played a far cry game it ended up being one of my favorite games um that's awesome for me like What a way to start the year off. We got Spider-Man. We got God of War. We got, I got Forza Horizon 4. (laughs) I should be very clear. Not everyone is a fan of it. Um, We got so many good gaming moments that they outweigh any negative, um, nothing negative uh, stands out over my positives. I think maybe is a better way to say that. There's definitely been, negatives this year, um, and especially in the video game culture and the landscape of what is just seemingly forming. Uh, hopefully, it doesn't carry over into 2019. Um, I mean, board games, uh, everything that we have done on this podcast has made my board gaming year 10 times better than what it would have been, and it would have been a good year. But we get to do so many cool things. Um, we got our first like review copies of games. We got to talk to developers. We got to talk to independent creators. You know, we, we got to see Fireball Island come back from the dead. We got all these awesome board games that came out, got all these great moments. Um, so for me, I think uh, it stacks up. It, equal if not better than 2017 for me what do you think
1: yeah i think 2018 was a pretty great year i I think the thing i always struggle with this conversation is for board games for whatever reason i have a harder time putting board games into a year and i rarely play board games the year they come out compared to video games like board games for me is like oh you hear about them somewhere and then i'm like sweet next time i'm in the store and i see it i will get it so most of the board games I played this year did not come out this year. But that doesn't mean I didn't have a great time playing board games this year. Whereas video games, almost all of the video games I played this year came out this year. And I think that's something that's just for at least for me with how I play board games. I, I always find interesting as like it's hard for me to be like, oh, this was a great year of board gaming it was for me for the games i played a lot of them a lot of them came out two years ago or a year ago or something like that you know and i agree i think when it comes to the board games that i played this year and the amount of board games i played this year you know having this podcast obviously has been helpful in making sure that happens but i've also really enjoyed the time i think the push towards a a more legacy style game which is something that i enjoy playing and and Uh, My wife enjoys playing has really been helpful as far as that goes. And I I hope that continues. You know, we obviously have some newer ones that have been announced and some that have been announced this year for the future Um, in some genre in some, I should say, in some properties that I'm excited about. So I look forward to that happening and for that trend to continue. But yeah, 2018, I think has been a really good year overall. And I think that's the biggest takeaway I have, especially like on the video game side that, you know. There's kind of the saying in like the in the business world or in the work world or whatever that like good is the greatest enemy of great, that if things are good enough, it's really hard to push them to be great because it's like, well, it's good enough. I feel like in gaming, it's almost completely flipped now that like great is the enemy of good. Like there are so many great games now, whether it be board games or video games, that if you are just good, it's almost not good enough. Like oh. you're probably not going to get noticed because there's so much great stuff out there all the time and that's from indie games to big triple a games to you know multiple hundred dollar board games to small little you know decks of cards that you can buy for 15 bucks like there are great games in almost every area now that is really hard to be a good game anymore and had to have people notice you mm-hmm. uh so i'm really excited i thought 2018 for me like Was it better than 2017? In some ways, I think it definitely was. In some ways, I think maybe not. But overall, I think the quality of of games that I played this year overall probably better this year than it was last year. So, what was there anything from a like news perspective or from like a trends perspective that you'll kind of remember 2018 for, or or you think you know as gamers, 2018 will be the year of X?
0: You know. I don't know. When I think about, if I think about something, maybe in general about 2018, um, something that maybe I wasn't super excited about and happy about is like this continuing trend in, and specifically video gaming, but it probably carries over to board gaming of this. Like, what worries me is there's like this toxic cloud, like hovering over the gaming industry. And people have just become have become more mean and cynical towards each other, and like we keep talking like um we always talk about how in p s v g we get passionate about things right that is healthy you can be passionate I don't think anyone like I'm not saying p s v g is like this, but I think we're looking at we looked at this year where people get mad because someone likes a game that they don't like and like red dead redemption 2 i think is a good example of that and even with the video game awards and red dead redemption 2 people legitimately being mad that this technical achievement of this miraculous game is winning awards um that they're mad about it because they they, because it's not for them like i'm not a big fan of this trend of, we talked about this in 2017 too, so it's a continuing trend. Like where I said, like, if I walk into a store and I look at like GameStop's wall of Xbox games and I see a game that I don't want to buy and I get mad at GameStop because it's there, like, who am I? Like, who am I to tell you, like, I didn't like the new Tomb Raider. Why should anyone else like this game? Like, who who is anyone to stand in the way of someone who enjoys it? That- category so like it really it worries me where we can't just be like josh hey josh likes smash brothers but he doesn't love it uh right now that's cool i hope he likes it as much as i do in the future but if he doesn't that's fine man like i didn't he didn't spend my money on that game he spent his own money on that game um it just means we won't play together like It's, I don't know, I feel like as toxic as it is, we also have a responsibility to get a little less defensive as well. Like, God knows I've had my issues with people like coming down on um, Horizon Zero Dawn, and even Forza Horizon 4. Like, while we're also passionate about our games, we should also take a step back and realize that just because I love a game doesn't mean that everyone should love it. I mean like your your inner monologue, your inner feelings are like, I just, I wish Donnie would get, not a specific game, but like I wish whoever would give this game a chance because I really think it's incredible and something special. That's like your instinct to defend something like that hard, but you kind of have to just give up at some point. If someone wants to play a game they're going to play it you shouldn't also be toxic towards that person because they're not playing the game that you love so much i just feel like this is a trend that i would love to see this go away in 2019 or at least become something people see and identify quicker and and fix the problem
1: right i can agree there i think one of the hard things about that is you know since you know you talked about how gamers we are we get very passionate about things and I think it seems that when we really like something we tie part of our identity to that right like I am predominantly a PlayStation gamer so if somebody talks crap about PlayStation you know part of me says they're talking crap about a company that I really should have no allegiance to because it's a company whose job is to make money you know like who am I to defend that but I have talked about how much I enjoy PlayStation part of my identity is tied to me saying i'm passionate about and then i enjoy things that play like the games that playstation puts out so if you say well that's crap that's me now now you're basically saying that the things i like and things about me are crap you know that's often the tie that we make when you like something so much and i think that's what makes it hard right is that if somebody comes out and says they don't like something that you love it's almost like saying that you made a poor decision that you are loving something that's not that you're you are enjoying something that is not worthy of being enjoyed. Right. And that's hard for people. You know, I think that a lot of people don't process that well. I don't process that well every time, you know. No, that, that, I,
0: have, I have a challenge with that too. I definitely I, I definitely, 100% agree with what you're saying because <clears throat> there's definitely been situations where those are the exact feelings that I feel when that happens.
1: Right. So, you know, and I, I think hopefully that as time goes, we we can start to be able to be differentiate that a little bit and recognize that somebody's talking about a thing, not about us, you know, and that's, I think the hard part sometimes. And, you know, I think you're right that there, there definitely has been that continuation in 2018 that, you know, there is a, a strong sense of entitlement about things and a strong sense of like, everything is great or Mm -hmm. everything is horrible. Nothing can just be fine or good or okay. You know, um, but I do think, you know, interestingly, if I when I look back at the year, I, there are some I think pretty big trends that I think push through this year big time. Obviously, I think Fortnite, the fact that Fortnite is continuing to be as big as it is is kind of mind blowing to me. Yes. You know, we talked back in August about like has Fortnite leveled off? Has it like kind of hit its peak? Nope. Doesn't seem so. Doesn't seem like that's you know it's slowing down anytime at all. I think, you know, though it started at the end of 2017 loot boxes, who they've kind of disappeared, haven't they? Uh, what? <laughs> like, I mean, in the, sen- in the sense of like, they still definitely exist in games, but yeah. companies have been much more careful about how they oh. implement them. In, <sighs> yes. In that sense. You know, they're, that the lessons seem to have been learned to a degree. Now you can still argue, you know, and obviously now there are investigations going in as to whether it's gambling and all of those things. But the worst case scenarios of loot boxes seems to have gone away. Obviously you can still argue whether or not loot boxes are good in general. But those right, right, right. Uh, the seemingly abusive ways uses of them seem to have gone away for the most part, you know, by the end of this year, which I thought was actually a pretty quick turnaround. But I think also if you look at Xbox at PlayStation and at Nintendo at the big three as far as video games go, they all had a good year in different ways, right? Like they mm-hmm. all accomplished some really great things in different ways. You know, Xbox with all of its services, with game pass, with backwards compatibility and all the great things they're doing there you know switch with really becoming in a lot of ways like the home for indies like that is the place that indie games want to go and still supporting it with some really quality triple a software and then playstation you know on the on their exclusive front of having some really quality triple a exclusives that were to them but also psvr having a really strong fall like a lot of people were like oh psvr this thing is sketched this thing is sketched there's nothing to buy there's nothing to play it's all just experiences there's no games and it seems like this fall things have really hit stride with psvr so it seems like the big three from the video game world all have some pretty good legs to stand on as far as their their 2018 goes uh do you have thoughts on board games in 2018 at all
0: sir um i mean you, you talked about it a little bit earlier um Legacy games really found their like comfortable space this year. um people are like stealth dropping legacy games. People are announcing like betrayal Legacy came out was announced last year. The rise of Queensdale no one knew it was a legacy game, and it just kind of came out from Essen and people seem to be loving on that um i I would say we're in a spot where. People now know what they are and want to play them. Um, But, I mean, for our audience, for us, I know that, like, certain games like that, the Legacy Styles are hard to get, to because of the game group, uh, like, needs to be constant and steady and reliable. Um, What else from board games? Like, Asmodee, like, gobbled up so many companies. Um, But not, not only that, but they really um, put a lot of effort into their digital games and they're trying to cross that boundary, like with the launch of Carcassonne on the switch, Ticket to, to ride on PS link, play link, play PlayLink. Yeah, play um, like there's been a lot of stuff and uh, that's good in the industry. Um, we have um, the big, um, Announcement of um, Isaac Childress working on a new game with Rob Davio. Um, Like that's really big for the board game world for next year. Um, Yeah. I mean, board games have had a great year. I mean, I've had a great year with board games. I mean, (laughs) how about you? Like uh, I'm assuming that uh, we've seen a very, like, I I don't want to say like this year we've seen such a variety in board games like every year. There's a huge variety in board games. Um, This was obviously the biggest year for Kickstarter Mm -hmm. um, in board games. And I don't want to say that you will be able to say that every year because we've talked about it throughout this year. There will be a peak and a plateau for Kickstarter. And we might be at it, to be honest with you. I don't know that next year can outdo this year, even like on the miniature front. Um, and last, like, next year, we just start to see crazy quality component games start coming out.
1: Games Workshop starts doing all of their pre-orders through Kickstarter.
0: <laughs> yeah, like something crazy like that. But uh, I want to ask you a question on video games real quick that I meant to bring up mm-hmm. um, about this year. Uh, specifically about Battlefield Five. Yeah. Do you feel like, here's, I have a question to, why did you want to send it to? Why did that happen? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Uh, The government is listening. Um, So I wanted to ask you this and and maybe our listeners can chime in too. And this, this probably ties into uh, the battle royale year we had uh, this year. So right now, if you go log into um, Battlefield 4, Battlefield 1, uh, you can buy Battlefield 5 for half off, 50% off. Whoo,
1: that was fast.
0: If you go to Target, you can get it for $30 right now, which is essentially 50% off. Yep. I still haven't bid on the game. Uh, Those are physical copies. Uh, Well, the EA Access one is not, that's digital. Um, Do you think, like, their launch aside, like whether it was a botched launch or not, or their decision to postpone Battle Royale, Firestorm, whatever they're calling it? Do you think as a person right now, like me or you or any of our listeners, is it a risky investment to buy Battlefield Five now, even at 50% off? Are we going to get more content next year? Or do you think EA is just going to caught their losses? Like, what is their incentive to put out a Battle Royale mode now? What is their incentive to put out DLC?
1: Well, I mean, I guess it depends. You could say their incentive is to they said they would.
0: Right, you know, like, right,
1: and I think that we've seen some gameplay, and maybe what they're gonna do is that, you know, because right now, like, obviously, um, Activision just made the switch with Call of Duty that at least on PC you can buy just the multiplayer in Battle Royale and Blackout for thirty bucks.
0: But isn't that what Call of Duty Black Ops Four is? Well, there's zombies though. Okay, so well, but is there,
1: are, but I'm right, but I'm just saying there are some people who like zombies is their thing, right? Sorry, that
0: was my that was my different gripe, but I that I had.
1: <laughs> right, so, but you know, so maybe their thought process is, hey, we get some players in now, and there's people who still just love Battlefield Five multiplayer. So if you're into that, you know, there you have that option, knowing that you know in the future you you get to fighting in a ring of fire which seems cool you know that sounds sounds awesome i i'm always hesitant on battlefield games just cuz from a stylistic standpoint they i i don't like the feel of them as much that's just yeah. my personal opinion on them but if you like battlefield buy battlefield if you don't right. don't you know yeah. and I, I i think that if you have played battlefield in the past i don't know that there's any indication Right now, that the support is going to be any different than it was in the past, other than supposedly they said there's not going to be a battle pass, like everything's going to be free, yeah. you know. So, that does in some ways say that okay, who knows how long that's going to last. Like, we've talked, they've talked about how you know their battle royal that's coming out in March. Yeah, who knows how long past that is going to go since you're not paying anything for it. But you know, this game came out not not even a month ago and it's already half price you Yeah, you have
0: to monetize their losses somehow
1: right so i don't necessarily think is it, it you know who who am i to be like is it worth 30 dollars to you right but is it worth 30 dollars? you know and it seems like the the single player campaign is is decent at least or solid like with the little vignettes that they did similar to battlefield one right so yeah i mean i think at that price why not give it a give it a roll if it's something that you're interested in that is a price where i'd be considered i would consider purchasing it i never was gonna buy it at 60 but i consider it at 30 for sure
0: cool cool okay sorry back to board games what did you think of of uh, any big board game news or anything
1: no i think for me the biggest thing is just really you know board games seem to maybe things are slowing down a touch as far as the growth goes but i think the growth is still there convention attendance still seems to be going up Every year, it sounds like every convention is just bigger than it was the year before. And Kickstarters continue to be a huge success. You know, maybe not on the video game side, but on the board game side, like Kickstarters are crushing it. Like Kickstarters are almost the place to buy board games these days. Like that is the place. Like if you want to be in on the ground floor to be part of the conversation, to be, you know, have the water cooler conversation, you need to, you need to back these Kickstarters and they're coming so fast and so furious and so expensive for a lot of them that, you know it's board games are definitely moving, but I also always think about the fact that like contextually is different, right? Yeah. You know, Fireball Island, 16,000 copies, on, um, you know, 16,000 Kickstarter copies in the United States. And that was huge. Again, we have like we talked about right. a board game, selling, <laughs> yeah, a video yeah, game yeah, selling 16,000 copies. Whew, that'd be time. rough, <laughs> you know? So it's all contextual, but I feel like the board game hobby is healthy, is strong. And I think it's also getting to the point where there, we're truly are getting to you know, the conversations people were having 10 years ago in video games about inclusion, representation and, and making folks feel welcome to play games that is still going on in video games. I'm not saying that's been solved by any means, but where those conversations were starting, I feel like are starting to happen now in the board game space more and more. Uh, so it's kind of interesting to see those things kind of progress, you know, like, oh, I see that they were where video games were. And I, maybe I should have said 10 years ago, six years ago, five years ago. Um, <laughs> you see like kind of the parallel conversations that have happened and kind of seeing those happen in the board game world now about, you know, ensuring everyone's welcome to play at the table and, and that folks are feel that board be being a board gamer is okay. And that they're welcome to do it. And I think that's a, uh, a trend we'll continue to see, you know, moving forward, which I'm excited to, because I, I do want, you know, I think that leads to a a healthy and vibrant uh, community is just and really is going to increase the amount of cool and new and unique games that you're going to get is just ensuring that everyone feels like they can be part of that community. Because that's when you, how you get new creators. That's how you get new ideas. And that's how you get all those things on the table. And I think that's just hopefully going to continue um, both in video games, but especially in board games is something we're seeing talked about more and more, which I think is great.
0: Yeah, there's, uh, I heard today a 20% increase uh, for PAX Unplugged Intendants.
1: Awesome. Very, so very
0: cool. That's really good for the hobby.
1: So, very, very briefly, uh, we did ask on Twitter what people thought of, you know, what some of their memories were, so, or how they'll look back on 2018. For news stories, Splig at Dope Alicia said the biggest news story had to be the emergence of crossplay. As a kid, it was unheard of to think Sega and Nintendo would play together, and now we see it can happen. Crossplay. Josh, that was a thing, eh?
0: Crossplay is like... uh, It's in beta, I heard. Um, Sony said beta. It's in beta right now.
1: (laughs) Beta (laughs) on Fortnite. Beta (laughs) on Fortnite.
0: I'm teasing. Um, Yeah, I mean, crossplay was a big news story this year, for sure. Mm -hmm. It's definitely a controversial topic, apparently. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think Microsoft and Nintendo is the bigger shocker than Sega and Nintendo. Um, Because we've gotten Sonic... And Smash Brothers and um but like the fact that like we saw commercials on television of Microsoft and Switch together Mm -hmm. basically like rubbing a dirty tissue in Sony's face um was pretty big. Like you don't typically see like two companies like team up against somebody and uh, I, I don't Sony is whatever it is whatever. I was just very surprised to see like Microsoft and Nintendo kind of take that shot at Sony. Um, Sony's stepped up in a big way too, though, by saying, okay, we hear people. We hear them now. (laughs) It's been loud enough. We're going to, you know, Sony has no reason to do this. They don't need to do this, but they're doing it, which is a sign of, of what could happen. And having the three of those guys on stage at the VGAs was also... Um, whether Sean Layton just looks like that always, or he just really didn't want to be there. I don't know.
1: He kind of but, always just looks like that. <laughs>
0: um, just to see that happen is even if nothing ever comes from that, that is a big deal. So crossplay, I think even led to that moment a little bit.
1: Yeah. I think he was upset because he had a handheld mic, so he couldn't do all of his hand motions. because <laughs> yeah. He's a very hand motiony guy. So like, th- I,
0: <laughs> yeah, so I think
1: that, that was the problem there. Uh, but no, he just kind of obviously looks like <laughs> uh yeah, no crossplay. Uh it's interesting. I, I'm really very, very interested to see what happens in early 2019. Um, uh, because like as we said, you know, PlayStation was kind of like, oh, this is beta for us for crossplay with Fortnite. You know, if this works well and it goes the way that we're, you know, quote unquote, thinking or hoping or however you want to read that it will, you know, it may roll out to to other titles in the future. That hasn't happened yet. So I'm very Mm -hmm. interested to see. And they've kind of basically said at this point, they are done with announcements for this year. Um, Mm -hmm. There was a tweet on a tweet on Twitter. Imagine that (laughs) Uh, there was uh, someone had posted on Twitter that they were really, you know, disappointed that you know Reggie had some stuff at the game awards and Phil had stuff at the game awards but there was no like conversation between Jeff Keeley and Sean Layden yeah. and Sean Layden basically said hey we'll see you in 2019 right so clearly something is coming there and I, I just wonder what those things are going to be and kind of how that's going to work And I and I hope they do more with it like I said it's never been a huge thing for me. I, I Not that I don't care, but it just hasn't been a significant issue for me. But I know it's a big thing for other people. So I, I hope that that works out. Uh, another news story, Paul Calico at pcalico84. As for news, probably, I don't know, um, when PSVG got all separate feeds, that definitely industry breaking, us getting our own podcast feeds for it sure. Kinda,
0: it kind of happened twice. It did kind of <laughs>
1: happen twice.
0: So. Uh Yeah, I mean, that's big news for us as well. So we appreciate Paul's enthusiasm for sure. Um, Yeah, and it's nice to have, we love PSPG, but it's nice to have our own little space on the internet too. It is, absolutely.
1: So some personal reflections, again, from Splig at Dopalicious. We finally got a great non-fighting Marvel game. I mean, he's got to be talking about Marvel Strike Force, right?
0: I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> what great Marvel game did we get? Marvel Strike Force is an app game that I think is great, but um, I when I first read it, I thought he was like, "We finally got a great fighting game that isn't Marvel."
1: <laughs> That's actually the first thing I read too, and I was like, "Oh, he's all in on like Dragon Ball Fighters. That's cool." <laughs> but yes, obviously, Marvel Spider-Man, really solid game this year, and it was nice to to have a. A very good Marvel action game for sure.
0: Action adventure.
1: Action adventure. That,
0: yes, according
1: <laughs> to the Game Awards, action adventure game. Correct. Thank you.
0: Yeah, I just wanted to make sure I correct you <laughs> right away in it for now on. <laughs>
1: Thank you for that. Also, Paul Calico, again, at pcalico84. This year will be remembered as the year I spent too much money on games. Can you, you know relate to funny?
0: that? You know what's funny about that say- sentence? I wanted to say the same thing. But this is, this is, was the year I had the most Kickstarters show up at my door, which means last year was the year I spent the most money on games, unless I say the same thing next year. It seems like
1: every year is the year I spend the most money on games. Remember way back, and I'll, we'll talk about this a little bit in a couple episodes, uh, where we kind of did like our resolutions for 2018. Yeah. And one of my resolutions was to buy no more than two video games a month.
0: Yeah. And I think mine was like buy less board games and buy just upgrade my existing ones.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think. I totally destroyed that. (laughs) That definitely did not happen. Every year is the year I spend the most money on board games and video games. But, hey, it's okay. Um, Also, we had some feedback from folks on Discord. IKillOmega via Discord says, I believe 2018 was actually overrated. I haven't played Red Dead Redemption 2 or The Messenger yet, but for the most part, the games have been pretty weak. I like Forza Horizon 4 okay. God of War was good, etc., but I haven't played anything this year that I feel is a game changer by any means, not like last year that said there are a lot of games I didn't play this year. So I'm likely missing a few. So you and I were pretty high on it, but it seems like others,
0: maybe not so much. Boy. I mean, I think again, uh, saying it's been pretty weak is a very strong statement, uh, but we did just talk about not every game is for everyone, but Spider-Man God of War, Forza Horizon Four, Red Dead Redemption Two, Dead Cells, Celeste, Messenger, Smash Brothers. <coughs> uh, 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 yeah. I mean, I I guess I just respectfully disagree. At least maybe like I would say, pretty weak is strong. That's all I'll say. <laughs> yeah,
1: but again, like you said, I mean, when you especially if you um, know, I kill Omega at all or, or follow the games they play.
0: You know, it's all a retro. I know
1: yeah so but that but you know so again you know we think very much from our tends to be not always exclusively well we tend to focus a lot on the triple a stuff and we don't talk a ton about indies and things like that though i will say from the kind of funny game showcase vein, i'm super excited is coming out in january oh, but yeah. anyway um yeah Can you I know
0: that ps classic i mean isn't that awesome oh
1: gosh Anyway, <laughs> moving on so seth is the goat via discord uh says i think 2018 Definitely felt like a down year. Maybe that was inevitable coming off the heels of 2017 with a console launch, across the board great games in Zelda and Horizon, plus a brand new Mario. I felt down about much of this year. On the other hand, Red Dead 2 is one of my personal favorite games on the system. Could crack my favorite of all time by the time I'm done with it. Detroit was a really interesting narrative. I think Spider-Man is one of the best exclusives on PS4. God of War might be better, but I didn't play it. I think there have been some really good, great games, but a lot of disappointments as well and large gulfs between things. So, Josh.
0: Seth, this was the resurgence, the reemergence, the rebirth of No Man's Sky. How did you leave that out? <laughs> no, I, I I mean, yeah, I didn't realize so many people were, were down on the year. Um, I think that stinks. I wish people were more up on it, but... Uh, I totally agree with him on Spider-Man and I know God of War isn't Seth's type of game, which is totally fine. Um, I, you know, as far as disappointments, you know, for me, I'm trying to think of a game that I was like super excited for that I was disappointed in. And maybe I just didn't have like really high hopes for specific games that disappointed me. Like, I don't know. Can you think of anything that's disappointed you from a release standpoint this year
1: i mean and i i hesitate to say this because this is a huge joke in the discord the only game i probably had some oh. i don't even want to say <laughs> and i don't even want to say disappointment but i didn't enjoy as much as i was expecting was far cry 5
0: yeah and maybe tomb raider is a disappointment for me but i still enjoy it it's just right. not what i thought i was getting
1: right and to be clear i like far cry 5 (laughs) i just don't love far cry 5 i'm supposed
0: to correct you right yeah you hate far cry 5
1: right according (laughs) to everyone that is what it is so
0: (laughs) and you refuse to play the dlc i had to basically harass you for three months to beat the game
1: which i did beat
0: you beat it under duress. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
1: no. I still, ha- I still haven't played. I still haven't played Forza Horizon Four, but I did play Strange Brigade. So, see, you still have influence over me.
0: Good. That's good to hear. You have way more influence over me, but <laughs> it's nice to know I'm not out of there. Um, I would say, to Sut's point, now that I do think of some games, I, I was disappointed in State of Decay Two um, and Sea of Thieves. Mm-hmm um so there is disappointment but i guess i just didn't have it's disappointment on the lowest level like i wasn't like highly anticipating these games right so i mean i just it's a bummer like i hope that i kill omega and i hope seth um i hope for them 2019 is a better year
1: i agree someone though who does think a little bit different dat ninja dev via discord far cry five spidey god of war forsaken red dead and smash this has been a great year of gaming for me
0: yes and destiny Two. i know you didn't delve too much into forsaken since we got it but
1: true. i've downloaded i haven't played it yet though
0: i'm really happy with the content from forsaken um so far i'm not super thrilled that i have to buy another season pass if i want to get all the content. Um, I know that I, f- I feel for Dev because he has to defend Destiny 2 on a daily basis. And he's super passionate about it, which probably makes it that much harder for him. Right. Um, so I can appreciate all the work he puts into defending Destiny. Uh, I'm still not as, as happy I, as I am with the Forsaken content. I'm just not happy in the in the timeline I bought the DLC. Like, if I had just waited a couple months... I could have got it all at one good price. Instead, I paid for the two expansions at full price, and then they went for free almost. Then I paid for Forsaken at like the full price. Now it's like the price I paid for the first DLCs and <laughs> all of the DLCs, and then they still want me to spend what I, what, what you know. I, I don't know. I'm I'm a little high strung on that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it does seem that, uh, especially this fall, game price, games have gone on sale and are continuing to go on sale much faster than they used to.
0: Way, way faster, yeah. Yeah,
1: awesome. All right, so just some final things to kind of wrap up, kind of our reflection back on 2018 as far as gaming goes. Uh, would you say, and I know we talked a little bit about spending money on games, would you say yeah. you played more games this year or less games this year than the previous year?
0: I don't know, but I can say beat more games this year than I did last year.
1: How many games did you beat this year?
0: Oh, I don't have numbers, but I okay. know that it's more than last year. <laughs>
1: gotcha. I think I might have actually played less games this year than I did last year, and not because of desire. I think just life got busier this year than it was last year, and doing this like every week now, and the time with yeah. this, and like I think I I have definitely played less games overall, but I think my time has been well spent. Hmm. Um, was there a game that we? loved more than we anticipated or is there anything i know we talked a little bit about being bummed out by things but mm-hmm. was there anything that we were anticipating that we enjoyed even more than we thought we would
0: uh, for me spider-man like blew my expectations out of the water uh, uh, yeah i still think about that game sometimes when i'm playing other games <laughs> like it's just phenomenal and and i was thinking about i was listening to the PSVG prime and they were talking about the vgas and just listening to them talk about it, I, I was like, "Who are the people who voted on these games that couldn't? That really didn't think Spider-Man deserved one of those things?" Yeah, it really boggles my mind. Um, and for disappointed in um, Hover, that's my biggest disappointment <laughs> of the year.
1: <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, I think for me, the thing, and you know, I, I really try not to be a hipster too often. I am sometimes of a huge hipster, but I'm going to be a total <laughs> hipster about this because I got, so I was really looking forward to Astro Bot Rescue Mission. Since that mm-hmm. game was first revealed, I was talking about how it was one of my most anticipated games of the fall. I was in the discord talking about it. I, I was stoked about it. The game came out for like the next week in the discord. I'm like, nobody's talking about this potential game of the year contender. Like this thing is awesome. I'm loving my time with it. I came on here and talked about it. I came on the PSVG podcast and talked about it. Talking about Astrobot like the week it came out constantly.
0: Mm-hmm. I was that?
1: I know, right? <laughs> and then, like, you know, PSVR sales go PSVRs go on sale on Black Friday hardcore. And then, like, all these other people are in the Discord being like, oh my gosh, Astrobot's so good, you all have to play it. And I'm like, what? I've been saying this for like a month. Yeah, like, you're ahead of your time. <laughs> So I just was like, kind of, that was a moment where I just shook my head. I was like, why am I just, am I talking into a void? Like, does no (laughs) one just listen? Like, and I know that there are people who have told me they picked it up because I recommended it. Like, I get that. But I just was like, man, come on. Like, I I try not to get hipster about things, but that game still exceeded my expectations. It was way better than I thought it was going to be. I was like, I was stoked for it, um, but it was awesome. And I don't know that I had a huge... Disappointment, honestly. I think that most of the games that I played either were kind of what I expected them to, or like I said, Far Cry 5, I just didn't like it as much as I was hoping I would, but I, I still enjoyed the game. Um, what console did you play on the most this year?
0: It was the PlayStation. It's kind of nuts. Uh, um, yeah, that's just it. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm dumbfounded. I'm speechless. I really didn't expect it. I was very surprised. Um, Destiny 2, Spider Man, God of War. Um those games alone like I spent a lot of time on in Far Cry 5 on the Xbox I definitely played mm-hmm. the Xbox a lot um but the games that I played and the amount of hours I spent on the PlayStation far surpassed my xbox play time
1: yeah i definitely dabbled in a lot of games on xbox especially because of game pass like there was a lot of games and actually earlier in the year since my xbox one x i got like in january uh i definitely spent a lot of time early in the year you know dabbling in things there but i think Man, even if I went and looked, like, total number of, like, different titles touched might be higher on Xbox, but total hours played was definitely more on PlayStation. But that's also biased because that's where I play most of my Overwatch. So that's right. where, like, it that's just a, a t- huge time sink. So, yeah. um, but I didn't, I will say, I didn't play my Switch as much as I thought I would. Same here. Uh, I definitely, it definitely got some love. Like, I played, I had Dead Cells on Switch and I played the crap out of that game. Yeah. Uh, and I actually have been playing a lot of Diablo 3 on it. Um, but not quite as much time on the Switch this year as I was hoping. But hey, maybe once I pick up Smash, uh, that will that will change. So uh, final thing to wrap up 2018. Uh, how did you feel about keeping up with board game releases? Were you able to keep up the way you wanted? Did you feel left behind at all because of just the number of games, the cost of games, anything like that?
0: Well, I definitely wasn't able to keep up uh, with how I wanted um, because I would get every game if i could uh i definitely kept up better than usual um even though i said you know we made a thing where we weren't gonna buy games before packs like um but there was just so much content that came out this year there's no way i could probably in 30 minutes pull up a list of 100 games i still want to get yep um very easily so um but that that that's all irrelevant if I don't have the time to play them. So um I feel like I did okay. How about you?
1: Yeah, I did horrible. <laughs> I put like I said, I played a ton of board games this year, but very, very few of them were from 2018. And like like you said, like man, in the last few days or the last few weeks, I've gotten a ton of Kickstarters in. And I just haven't had time to sit wow. down and play them, you know. So it's one of those things I'm definitely as always with board games, I'm always way behind. I keep up with them. I read about them. I watch videos about them. And then I play them a year later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but I, I will say the the price is starting to get hard. I think it's interesting because when I go look at sales on cool stuff, or even when like, Amazon just had their sale recently, I look at the prices of games. I'm like, man, it's really not that bad. Like these are r- pretty affordable. I can get multiple <laughs> games for the price of one sixty dollars video game. Like this yeah, isn't yeah. bad. And then I look at one Kickstarter and it's like 150 bucks. I'm just like, man, like,
0: ah, we have to get rid of our FOMO well, and we need to start just letting those Kickstarters go.
1: I know. that's what, that, Maybe that'll be one of my resolutions for the new year. So, <laughs> Hey, that was our thoughts. Looking back at the year 2018. Let us know your thoughts. Did you have any thoughts about 2018? Was it a great year for you for gaming? Was it a disappointing year for you for gaming? We want to know what you're thinking about. Uh, and we will be doing our favorite games of the year. Maybe next week. We'll have to wait and see, but it's going to be coming soon. Uh, And again, we'll probably talk to you about favorite video games released in the year and board games might be favorite games played. Played. So, yeah. So that'll be a little bit different. But that is coming up very briefly. I know our episode is running a little long here. But as promised, we have been running a couple uh, contests and they have both wrapped up. So we kicked off the Metafall contest this year with folks trying to predict the Metacritic score of games releasing this fall. Uh, You earned one point for each point away from the actual score you score. So the lowest score wins. And there were two games that really did a lot of damage to people. (laughs) One of them that did a little bit of damage was Battlefield Five. Most people had Battlefield Five scoring. They predicted it would score quite a bit higher than it would. However, the game that absolutely decimated people was Fallout 76. (laughs) That game absolutely destroyed people. (laughs) And the interesting thing is, is the person who won the contest is the person who lost the fewest number of points because of Fallout 76. (laughs) So that really was the game that was the big difference. So the winner of the inaugural MetaFall contest with a svelte 52 points... 28 of which though were from <laughs> oh Fallout
0: 76. What's Fallout 76 sitting
1: at? Uh, Fallout 76. Um again, we use the PS4 scores for it for everything. The Fallout oh. 76 is sitting at a 52 on. Oh my gosh, I the didn't ex- I look at them. The Xbox One version is a 49. <gasps> oh no. Yeah, so oh. the Fallout 76 oh. sitting at a 52. Uh yeah. So it, it, it did pretty rough, especially when like you look at the fact that like I said it'd get a 79. You said it'd get an 81. Uh, we had people saying it was going to get a 90. I can't believe
0: um, Bethesda's going to close next year. That's crazy.
1: <laughs> you heard it here first. Breaking <laughs> news. Uh, but anyway, like I said, so the winner with a svelte 52 points, 28 of which were from Fallout 76, is Mike Doherty. Congratulations, sir. Hey, I will be in congrats. touch uh, probably the day after this post, so probably Friday this week. I will send you an email, replying to the email you sent to submit to the contest kind of setting up getting you your prize the other contest we had was for the game awards and you simply needed to submit your pick for who would win game of the year to be entered into a drawing to win i literally put all the names into a hat and drew a one and the winner you might know him from that other podcast who made fun of us the one time uh <laughs> the one and only Flux the post mr lucas rose himself is the winner of our game awards
0: contest so get you a new gallbladder lucas
1: (laughs) go us so i will be congratulations to both of our winners mike doherty and mr lucas rose i will be reaching out to you both on friday of the week this posts to set up getting you your prize well this has been a long episode. But you know what? Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? We're rolling. But hey, we don't we definitely want to leave you with a recommendation for a well-rounded life because while we are a gaming podcast, you know, there are other things that we do that help keep us, you know, living a life that makes us happy, that makes us feel fulfilled. So Josh, do you have a recommendation for everyone for a well-rounded life?
0: I do, and I don't I don't know if I've covered this before and if i have i don't care uh there's an awesome cooking show on netflix called nailed it and their christmas episodes just came out yesterday their first episode has like one of my favorite comedians lauren lapkus on it Uh, the second episode has justin willman the guy who did magic for humans um but this is not your typical cooking show this is a show uh with the world's worst cooks worst bakers and they're trying to bake the most beautiful looking cakes and cake pops and decorations you've ever seen it's nicole byers is the host she's nicole Byers, sorry and she's hilarious um it's just a really funny show where the host essentially kind of makes fun of the contestants and and uh they have a nice they have a great friend chef on who's very good and, and he knows what he's talking about he's also very funny just the the rep the rapport with everyone is so good <clears throat> and it's filmed in a very nice way it's not overly making fun of people like these people coming in they know they're not good bakers so everyone's in on the joke uh which makes it even more better so Even more better. Okay, Josh, pick your words better. Uh, (laughs) That's my recommendation for, uh, you know, it's holiday season. It's been a long year. So get on the couch and kick your slippers off. Have some eggnog and watch Nailed It on Netflix and enjoy yourself.
1: Awesome. So my recommendation for A Well-Rounded Life is, you know, go to your local library. Get a library card. You know, most people, if you have, especially if you haven't been to a library in a while, you might think that your library only has books. And it does have books, probably lots of books. And you should read books too, because that's good. But maybe you're into magazines. Those still exist. They're still a thing. You can often get magazines there. In addition, <laughs> some of them even have movies. Yes, you can get movies for free from the library. And others have e-books that you can download and read on your e-reader. Some even have books on tape. I shouldn't say books on tape anymore. That makes me sound really old. Audiobooks. Some of them have audiobooks. And actually, they might have books on tape, too. Uh, but some have audiobooks that you can download via app and listen to you so you don't have to pay the very high prices of like Audible and things like that for your audiobooks. And some even have video games. It's mm-hmm. true. So if you are not a member of your local library, I highly encourage you to check it out because it doesn't cost you anything and it really can give you options and expose you to a lot of things that you didn't even know that they had. So definitely recommend if you have a local library and you haven't been there in a while, or if you've never been there, check it out. You might be surprised at what you can get from your local library these days. Josh, we've been going and we've been going. What do you say we wrap this show up?
0: Mm, I think... What if we wait like a little longer and then we wrap it up?
1: Okay, what do you want to cover?
0: I just want to sit and reflect on the year Okay. In silence for like 22 more minutes.
1: <laughs> I mean, we could do that when I edit it. All the 22 minutes of silence will be gone. So we could totally do that.
0: I have to make sure I make a noise for 22 minutes then. <laughs> okay, no, I think it's a good idea. I'm exhausted. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, everyone. <clears throat> Remember, you can find us and social media at Board with Fiji, Use our hashtag, hashtag Board with Fiji. We're on Facebook.com slash We have that email at boardwithfiji at gmail.com. Send all your, uh, all your industry insiders our way. I know you guys know people at Fantasy Flight Games and Asmodee. Send them our way. Someone has to know somebody that works there, right? The odds are in our favor. Uh, I'm just going to plug since we're doing our game night. uh, My PSN is why so serious. That's S I R R I U S. So make sure you add me if you want to play games with us. And just tweet at us, uh, whatever. Just let us know you're interested uh, and that you want to play. And if we have other suggestions, like if a bunch of people don't have Overwatch, just tweet at us some suggestions. And if it just turns out it's kyle and i sitting there and overwatch lobby waiting for people we'll see if we can accommodate a different game if it doesn't work out
1: <laughs> absolutely so hey you can find me in all the places twitter instagram playstation network xbox live board game geek all at psychocross c-y-c-o-c-r-o-s-s again as josh said on remember december 21st 8 p.m to 12 a.m central time we'll be doing our board with video games community gaming night currently like he said the plan is overwatch on ps4 If that is something where you're like, oh, I can't just do that, no way. Um, And you have other suggestions, let us know. But we think that might be a fun, good time to celebrate their winter event that they're having and just hang out, play some games and have a good time. If you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on social media. And remember everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.